Again, these catchphrases. I'm like a machine, like some sort of machina, if you will, if you were to break it <laughs> off to a glowing start, all I can say. Uh, we have a question from the panel. What is your opinion on the proper pronunciation of that album? You know, we debated this beforehand. Uh, I mean, like, machina isn't a word, but machina, machina. Right. Machina exactly. already is, right. so that's kind of how I always pronounced it in my head, was machina. So... Um, <laughs> But so well, welcome to the chartographers. Also, the word machine is in the title, right. pronounced the other way. So. Exactly. So I, I, you know, we'll debate this. this is one of the many things we're going to debate on this wonderful podcast, where we're talking about an incredible band, a band that has defined so many different generations of goth use and other. Uh, we're talking about one of the most influential bands of the '90s, one of the least influential bands of the 2000s, and fronted by the Lex Luthor of alternative rock. That's right, guys. We're talking about the Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Mr. Corgan, if you're nasty. And guys, we have so much stuff that we are going to be debating no. into. Uh, and we're, they have an incredible discography, so many iconic albums and songs, and we're going to rank it worst to best. And in order to do that, we got to assemble basically our own Smashing Pumpkins here. We're not going to replace anyone mid-podcast, I assure you. Only after we disband podcast uh so of course you probably know me uh i'm evan soddy i'm an editor over at pop matters but you probably know me as the host of this podcast i guess it could be the uh the billy corgan type the egomaniac who is also an asshole sometimes maybe kind of sort of i mean all right (laughs) and then i mean if we're going by who's an asshole i think it's probably me but as far as who's in charge it's it's i'm the jimmy chamberlain of the group so you're the billy then taryn o'reilly by the way (laughs) co-creator of this podcast he is joining us here wait you're so you're going with jimmy chamberlain sure all right i'm billy corgan All right. That's about right. And guys, uh, listen, you know you know what we do. We're happy to be here. But guys, we are joined by two incredible guests here today. I'm actually really, really excited for us. Uh, our Darcy and our... Uh, and our James. James. <laughs> of the group. Uh, he has a very concerned look on his face, yes. Uh, am I Darcy? Like, what <laughs> yeah. does that say about me? I think so. <laughs> so the Darcy, the Darcy of our group, uh, he, he, is a, he is a writer. Uh, he has a forthcoming uh, comic book that will be coming out sometime in 2018. He's a joyous <laughs> and wonderful person. Guys, Ryan Doss is here. The wonderful Ryan Doss. Hey. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm good. Good? Yeah. I'm right. happy to be here. It's so much enthusiasm. Super excited for this. <laughs> So much. Trying to be as enthusiastic as possible. You're matching me on my opening <laughs> incantation. And of course, then we were also joined by someone else. He is a uh, director. He has filmed music videos. He has filmed movies. He is also one half of the electropop duo Liquid Toaster. Guys, Will Swick is here. James Eha, how are you Hello. doing? I'm good. Yeah, you're I'm the great. quiet type. You're the yeah. quiet type that's secretly a creative genius. And everyone likes your songs better because they were co-written. And Billy Corgan's never going to play those songs again because you co-wrote those songs. Right. Right. (laughs) Biting commentary and insight guy. All right, guys. So we're talking about the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, Now, if you're not familiar, uh, again, they define so much. You've got to keep in mind, they emerged in an era, kind of the grunge era. Uh, They came out of a time when basically everything was dominated by Nirvana and by the Pearl Jam and what have you. But in the rock circuit as well, they really developed alternative, a much more Baroque, much more artsy, much more kind of highfalutin kind of thing that still at times was really rocking and really angsty and really all sorts of other verbs. But uh, this really is the biggest thing. We have a unique... Those are adjectives. Whatever. Uh, they have so, uh, Billy, thank you. Uh, we have so many, so many different albums to rank. So there's a couple things that are definitive, and there are a lot of qualifiers on this ranking. So the things that are definitive, they're very gothy 1991 debut Gish. They're very rocky 1993 album Siamese Dream. They're very a lot of songs, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness from 1995. They're very really moody, Adore 1998. They're really not so moody, Machine. Machina, Machina, however they want to call it, the Machines of God, 2008. They're very 
2008. Or two, uh, 2000. 2000. I looked at it wrong. I'm drunk, guys. Let's be real. Drunk with power. <laughs> I'm Billy Corgan. And uh, we have uh, Zeitgeist from Zeitgeist from 2007. Their return to form. Well, it's a form. Let's be honest. Uh, their Something. much more optimistic and fun Oceania from 2012. And their quick and biting little fun little pack of fury called Monuments to Analogy from 2014. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good ranking of albums. But hold the fuck up. There is more. <laughs> uh, we are dealing with, there's some three outliers, three weird fucking outliers that we need to talk about before we get into it. I'm pretty sure there's one we can eliminate right off the bat, and that is Tear Garden by Kaleidoscope. Hey, it's called Tear Garden by Kaleidoscope, but there's a time after... Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. I like how you're pronouncing that. Kaleidoscope. Anyway. What did you pronounce it? Kaleidoscope. Yeah. No, but there's a Y like in there. Well, so what? But that's how the word is pronounced. Oh, but I totally I thought it was Kaleidy. Yeah, really? I thought it was Kaleidoscope. Yeah, because oh, like, he spells it weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, it's Billy Corgan. Like, there are times when he has kind of a sense of humor. It's just I, like, I have to correct sometimes. you right there. It's William Corgan. Oh, William Patrick Corgan, that's right. The author of the book Blinking with Fists, a book of poems. Uh, anyway, but Kaleidoscope, because after Zeitgeist came out and was like, it debuted really well on the charts, and then it was kind of a, eh, reception, uh, he was like, we're never going to put out an album again. It's just going to be singles every week for free. Uh, and that somehow didn't prove to be economically viable. I still kind of like that idea, though, because <laughs> it was kind of exciting, and all the songs were free. Yes, and actually, free songs generally tend to be a little bit better than uh, ones he, you pay for. He had a good run. He was like, <laughs> we got 44 tracks that we're going to do with this, and then, like... Did, like, 20. After, like, no, no, he only did, like, 7 of yeah. 10. I think it yeah. was 10. Yeah. Something, but then he just stopped. He's like, I'm going to do full albums again. Yeah. And they're this is part of this Yeah, project. but Oceania and, yeah, yeah, Monuments, they're part of the... Whatever. We're not. I don't think we should count those it songs. It's matter. not an album. Because they're not even all... Even, I mean, they, they were sort of, like, collected to into two different EPs, but then some of the songs didn't even make it onto those. Yeah, so. it's just, well, fuck it. Guys, <laughs> fuck it. That's my official ranking All right. on it. Alright, so there's that. Now, the other two things that are kind of weird. First off, uh, the one, another one I think we can eliminate is uh, Machina 2, The Friends and Enemies of Modern Music. After Machina came out, he's like, I want to do another double album. The radio's like, you're not selling as much, so no. Uh, but he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to put out all these songs for free online. And basically, he sent five vinyls to really super fans, like, put it out on the internet was the dictum. And yeah. he, they did that, too. But the thing is that I, when we talk about Machina 2, there's a lot of kind of weird, like, obscura, like, fun songs on there. But I think it runs the issue we've run into previous episodes where there's alternate versions of a lot of songs That's on there. So, I mean, yes, there are alternate versions on mm -hmm. Machina 2. But also, if you read what Corgan says about that album only disc four, like the 10 track one, is officially the album, and the other three discs are like bonus tracks. But we can't so separate you cut it those out. bonus tracks. Yeah. Well, but there are deluxe editions of albums where we don't count the bonus tracks. Yeah. So I'm not saying we need to count it, but we could, I think, if we only counted that last disc. Will? I'm personally against it. I don't think we should include it. That's just... I think when it's it came not, out, like, official. It's not released. You can't buy it on CD anywhere. Yeah, like, it's That's kind of... True. It's part of the lineage, but, like... It's, it's more of an obscure... Right! Actually, no, legitimately. I think it's, like... For fans, really, I don't think anyone's part of counting this part. Even when I was going through all music earlier today, they weren't counting it as part of canon. So, I'm and, okay with... I'm right. okay with exciting it. It does feel kind of like a weird, like, rarities and b-sides kind of yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. From that era. Will? Will's very quiet about this. He's Will. thinking. No, no, because at the time I actually thought... Will's was... wearing a Machina t-shirt, by yeah. the way, in studio right now. <laughs> Thanks for adding to my point. Right. It's great. So that's why I would include it. I mean, not that I like it that much. Like, I do like it, but because it was sort of like this... Supposed to be part of Machina as, like, say, a double album mm -hmm. that he wanted originally and released it, like, separately as, like, a, like an official release, kind of, I'd say we include it. But, I mean... I don't really understand the argument of because it wasn't on, on CD or pressed yeah. that you can't include it as an album. I, mean, I don't buy that. Um, there's links to it on Wikipedia. I know that oh. much. <laughs> so there's an official yeah. like like yeah. category like if it was pressed on CD. No, 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 no. no. I mean, it's just it's I our mean, own. Ar Remember, yeah. this is all arbitrary, and we're doing it for whatever. But we're also the chartographers. It's definitive. <laughs> so I want a definitive definition. Of uh, I think. An I mean, album. basically, how do fans? How do culture? How do other people view oh, their discography? Well, I have no idea. For example, I mean, take for example, <laughs> uh, like the Velvet Underground. They have four albums, and then after Lou Reed left, Doug Ewell 
rule the remaining bases, like, well, I can continue the ban and put out an album called Squeeze, and virtually no one counts Squeeze as part of the official yeah, discography like, on can, that end. Can you continue? I mean, exactly. You don't have Lou Reed or John Cale, <laughs> and you kind of suck, so no. It was basically the kind of the large groan that was received well, on that Yeah, one. but that's a very different situation. I know. There's exactly. plenty of bands that even switch their lead singer and still continue. As, as mm -hmm. under 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 the original name, like Journey, sure. Fleetwood <laughs> Mac, Doobie yeah. Brothers. I still my vote still holds no, but I'm willing to hear. What's the vote? My one no vote. One no vote. What do we got? Nine. What do you? I'm gonna vote no. No. All right, I'm kind of on the fence, so I guess it's it's no then. Okay, no. And I, this is a fair point, but we'll talk about this in the Happy Hour Minisode quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> there are some good tracks there, definitely. Yeah, but it's. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay, and that was very contentious, and now the last piece <laughs> of contention, and this is this is tough because some people count it as part of the official discography, some people don't. Pisces Iscariot. Now, between after Siamese Dream came out and became a massive hit, uh, there was a lot of time because clearly Corgan was in the studio working on Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, all the bajillion tracks he made for that, but it's kind of a tidy-over for the fans. They put out... Basically, a B-Sides Rarities album, Pisces Iscariot. And it is commonly referred to and listened to as a B-Sides Rarities album, but because none of the songs on there really repeat, or there's not, like, acoustic versions, some people are like, it's basically an album, man. Where do we stand on that? I mean, that's... If, if we're gonna include Pisces Iscariot, I feel like we should include Machina 2 and even, like, Aeroplane. Yeah. So, oh god! <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, I yeah. love Aeroplane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I, I think... If, if we're not going to do, like, B-Sides collections, we should just do none of them. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that, Will. It's, I agree. All right. It's a, um, a bad uh, point on my part. I didn't actually realize that Pisces Iscariot wasn't an actual album until maybe a few years ago. And then, like, I was looking it up. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is it listed as a rarity in B-Sides? Oh, isn't... my God. Your whole life is a lie. It, it basically is. Essentially, right? Yeah. Will? Yes. It's all a lie. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Alright, cool. So guys, listen here. We got eight albums we're going to rank. Gitch, Siamese Dream, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, Machine of the Machines of God, Zeitgeist, Zeitgeist, Oceania, Monuments to Analogy. How do you say Elegy? And Dory, which oh, you skipped. I told, you for know, some reason, I don't, don't worry, a lot of people will. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, speaking of, so now we have eight albums. We're going to rank worst to best, and now we got to start where we always start. Guys, what is the worst Smashing Pumpkins album? Zeitgeist. Right Straight out the gate. Up. Right, right out, out the, the gate. gate. Will? No hesitation. Will is... So do you want me to agree or disagree, or do you want me to nominate I, my oh, own? Oh, I want you yeah, to nominate your own. own. Okay, um, Monuments. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. We got to admit... All right, let's talk about this real quick. So, first off, we need to talk about... Uh, Pumpkins and the New Pumpkins. Because at the band, as they know it, in the original lineup, they lasted all the way up to Machina. Uh, and then basically... Uh, the, That's not... Wait, what? Well, the original oh, I mean, lineup okay. did Melissa, not last Yeah, Melissa Optimar, Darcy Wetzky. Did, I mean, did, did Melissa record Machina? I think she was, was there Darcy? for live, maybe? Yeah, she was there for yeah. live, but yeah. I don't know if she recorded or not. Yeah, or Euphoria or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah. anyway, but long story short, so basically the original lineup uh, for the most <laughs> part. But then uh, then they quit the band, and then Billy's like, I'm going to do all these different projects. I'm going to do Zwan. I'm going to put out a shitty synth rock solo whatever oh, it's thing. So bad. Oh it's really God. bad. The Future Embrace, that's one word. Uh, and then basically at the same day that the Future Embrace came out, he put out a full-length ad basically saying, guys, listen, I want my band back. And none of the other members knew he was doing that. It's like, why the fuck are you doing that? Jimmy Chamberlain, who played on... Uh, one, he was like, I'm on board, Billy, because this is the only way I'm employed. <laughs> I got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, so then they all got together. With, By the uh, way, I hope he's not listening to this right now. I'm sure. It, Billy, it's Jimmy Chamberlain. I'm sure he's going to. Uh, he's the official <laughs> archivist of the band. I'll find you, Evan Yeah, Well, Billy Corgan probably will, because we're talking about him. And why am I not considered the greatest? I have no bad albums. What are you can, talking about? You can sense it. Exactly. Let's visit his tea shop later. We're recording live at Zuzu, Madame Zuzu's tea shop out in Highland Park. Okay. Uh, anyway, but like, essentially, then they put out, essentially, Swan failed. And for the record, we're going to talk about in the Happy Hour Minisode. I fucking love Swan. It's basically Billy Corgan being upbeat and optimistic. The sticker is still on my iPod. You're damn right. That's awesome. <laughs> and, but, then, but then also, it was a complete failure, basically, uh, as was the future embrace. And so he's like, guys, I'm a rock band again. So he got all these new kids together with uh -huh. Jimmy and recorded, essentially, it really is kind of an answer to his optimism. Just this hard, slogging, brutally mixed, like barely mixed album. Zeitgeist was so angry. Mm -hmm. It was so angry. I'm, I'm like listening to it. I'm like, why are you so angry? And the, part of the 
reason, you gotta keep in mind, like, because they were an angsty band, but their angst was never, like, the definitive force of art. They always married it to melody. They always yeah. married it to optimism in some dark, kind of twisted, counterbalance way. They always, you know. I don't know. I feel like, and this might be a bit of a stretch, mm-hmm. but especially given the album art and the rough. lyrics of United States, yeah. I feel like that he missed the wave of, like, 2003 and 4 anti-Bush records yep. and so he just put his out in 2007 <laughs> yeah. and that's why it's so like, angsty <laughs> yeah totally yeah. and that's that, I think that's also part of why we maybe don't like it as much is because it's like I don't know we were over that I at mean, that point it, it's not even is, that though I still think it's just shitty well right <laughs> it does have a couple really fun tracks on it yeah. but it's a weird a album for me I mean I I listen to a lot of death metal so I listen to a lot of loud music mm-hmm. but this album was straight up just loud to the point where I'm like, God, just calm the fuck down. <laughs> Seriously, just tone it down, dude. Like, this is your first album in years with Smashing Pumpkins, and it's just like, it's Ear-leading. super in your face. And, yeah. Right, and there's no variety. Yeah. It's just Sludging hard rock, rock yeah, the whole the time. Through. Yeah. But I, Will's nomination for Monuments is really interesting to me. Why do you, <laughs> why do you nominate Monuments? So this whole conversation we're having about Zyka, is yep. how I feel about monuments. Interesting. Right. I feel that monuments is a very like like you were describing Zeitgeist as like just all the same, just like repeated for the whole album, this sort of heavy guitar sounds. And now I don't think necessarily think monuments is that heavy. I think it's very bland. The whole record sounds uninspired. And it's just like all the songs I can't even tell you a song off that album or what stood out because they're all, to me they're all the same. It's like listening to static. <laughs> In case you don't know what static sound like, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. No, you know there, there was it just didn't do it for me. There was you know, no energy, like, like just oh. no variety. For me, monuments two and elegy, it doesn't feel like a. The two is pumpkins. the number two, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Smashing Pumpkins two. record to me. To it sounds like like the Decemberists meets like Arctic Monkeys, and so if I look at it through that lens, I kind of like it. Like, I think Anais is actually, like, a really fun, like, Arctic Monkeys song. Monuments was a weird album for me, because if you you consider the length of all of their albums before, that are over an hour, like, uh, Machina 1 was, like, an hour 72 15, minutes basically. yeah it was something ridiculous like that. Yeah. and monuments was literally like maybe like 33 minutes well, right because monuments it was also an abbreviated smashing pumpkins it's album nine songs and only one of them breaks four minutes and the thing that's yeah. so fascinating about for monuments is that it feels like really truly the only time in the his entire career that billy corgan has ever shown restraint and that's such a weird thing from him because he indulges himself frequently, but also, unlike a lot of other artists, he indulges himself well. He knows how to play those indulgences. This feels like, and it really, let's be honest, because Jeff Schroeder and Tommy Lee are the only other two credited musicians on that album, But it's basically the solo album that Billy Corgan, I think, wanted to make all along. So Being Beige, this really upbeat, optimistic little piano number there, it's really too sincere, but I also kind of like it in its own way because, like... See, like, it's a little bit more earnest than anything he's done before. Yeah, and being beige, it's not a bad song. It's just I, I, I don't. Earnestness what? is not what I'm going to Smashing Pumpkins for. Uh-huh. You know, it's just not what I when I want to listen to Pumpkins. It's I'm not. I don't want to feel earnest. And so, especially when later on that album you have like the disgustingly saccharine "Run to Me," which yeah. is just like okay. so yes. cheesy and terrible. It's, and, a, it's a rough track. And for me, Drum and Fife is like the bad version of what Anais did. Like, Anais did it successfully, <laughs> I, and Drum so and Fife totally Anais, by the way, is kind of killer, though. But that's the other thing, though. Uh, that's a song I really enjoy off that album, unlike a majority... Like, what are my takeaways from Zeitgeist? Like, um, nothing. I actually... Okay, so <laughs> my takeaways from take Zeitgeist... Are that's the way my love is, which again it does. That's like the one thing on here that isn't like aggressive in your face. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of more of like the pop single, yeah. I guess. And then I really like Tarantula, but other yeah, other that was that like a single really, that they had. That they yeah, a lot, and that song when that came out, a lot of people were like, "Oh, maybe Billy Corgan doesn't suck again." But I don't. I, yeah. I especially yeah. because I actually really liked the two 
hard rock singles they put out after this, the like Glow and um, Super Christ. Oh yeah, no no no, Super Glow Christ. and Super Christ Holy were, shit. were an A side B side, and that's like fucking amazing. Yeah, and I'm like, why didn't this make it onto Zeitgeist? It's yeah. better than half of the songs. Super Christ is fucking better. amazing. Exactly. Uh, so that being said, uh, I, I personally, I'm willing to lock in Zeitgeist, and I feel bad because I feel like Will hasn't won any arguments so far. Gonna, but I mean, like, we just started anyways, exactly. but like, I'm going to agree with you on this, that it's still Zeitgeist. So, are I'm we assuming in? we're pounding that? Yeah. yeah. that's what that was. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean yeah, it's, it, I'm, I'm fine with putting Zeitgeist here, but Monuments to Analogy has to be next. Okay. Okay, can we no, lock in oh, Zeitgeist? Okay. Let's lock it. That was higher on my list, but I will probably concede because your arguments are valid. There are a couple tracks on Monuments that are pretty rough. That are just duds. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I will say Tiberius, the first track on that album, was... I loved it. I, so I that's loved the, the it. thing about Tiberius for me, and I think I... So I was reading some Pitchfork reviews just... Because I felt oh. like it. Oh, you no. pretentious hipster pitchfork. No, but, but, and for the most part, I was like, these are a waste of my time. But there was one point that um, he made, I think it was while he was reviewing Aeroplane, um, where he was like, the pistachio medley proves that Smashing Pumpkins' riffs are a dime a dozen, and it's the songs that they're built around that really take them to the next level. And so for me, Tiberius has a great riff, but the song isn't up to snuff. Interesting. Well, I might agree with you on that. This yeah. is, I mean, I this is probably gonna cause some stir, I guess. But Smashing Pumpkins in its in and of itself is kind of formulaic. In the what? That's yeah. not that's not no, controversial. Like, no, yeah, like it, I mean, it, it's what I was telling you the other day about like Nine Inch Nails was that like all the songs basically have the same. Yeah, it starts off the same, and he just like. Escalates it from there. Sex but... metaphor and something <laughs> political. <laughs> like all of these together is just like, but, but I feel like the formula that Smashing Pumpkins work with works for them. Yes. And when they pull out a song like Tiberius that sounds like Smashing Pumpkins, as bland as you might say it, it might sound. It works for me where I'm like, oh my god, this is Smashing Pumpkins. This is great. Like, this is awesome. That's the exact sound Ryan Doss makes when he gets a music boner, by the way. It this is exactly it. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Lord. All right, All right, so we're good with that. We're good with locking in uh, Monuments to Analogy there at the bottom there. That's pretty good. We got that at number seven, number eight, number seven. Uh, I mean, really, when we're talking about it, because there is new pumpkins, there is old pumpkins, it's really kind of cliche. But are we gonna? Is Oceania our number seven pick, or is there something else someone has uh, to nominate? No, I would have nominated Oceania next. Yeah. For the record, Oceania, Oceania, whatever the fuck. There's right. gonna be a lot of mispronunciations. Billy Kurgan. Uh, I gotta be honest though. <laughs> well, speaking of pronunciations, I heard him pronounce tarantula. Tarantula. No. Oh. He did. No. Barf. He did. No. No. I reject that. You dumb that. motherfucker. It's no. Called tarantula. There's a reason why he's now on. Out. Does it? Does it mean something? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that. That to me that sounds like he heard like the word tarantella once and was like. Ooh, Ooh, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna be edgy. I'm gonna play on that. Yeah. Mm. I was like, watching like Discovery Channel one day and those tarantulas, you know, <laughs> crawling like, around. It's like window pain because he spelled pain with both the I and the E. So it's both words. God. Yeah. Side note: I'm not sure if you know this. If you're unfamiliar with uh, Smashing Pumpkins and you're listening to, and you're hearing about them the first time because you're listening to the Chartographers and love the Chartographers, um, they're really can be really pretentious sometimes. So let's just be out there. Let's just be on about it. Really pretentious and baroque and elegant and angsty and arty. Uh, all these different things. But here, let's talk about Oceania a little bit though. Uh, there's a lot I like about it. I really feel like after Zeitgeist was kind of the counter move to the optimism of Zwan, I feel like Oceania was like, okay, I can be optimistic again. I don't have to necessarily be angry all the time. Yeah, that's definitely, I was going to say that too, is that Oceania is, it, it feels like, it definitely feels like the same guy that made Zwan yeah. to me. It feels and like a following of that lineage. Even though we're not counting um, Tiergarten, uh, I felt like, because this was still technically like part of that, yeah. uh -huh. whatever you want to call it, um, that after uh, Zeitgeist, he followed that up like maybe like a couple of years later, like a year or two later, with um, the first Tear Garden uh, song, like Song of the Sun, mm -hmm. and it was the first song in a long time that they actually sounded like Smashing Pumpkins, and then they followed that like whatever that was up with 
Oceania, yeah, whatever. And that was it was kind of a return to form. Like even if like the first half of the album was just like straight up like Smashing Pumpkins, it was really strong. The second half was like I don't know what this is. Yeah. This is fine. It's going on for a little long, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And and songs like One Dime and One Heart are like really fucking poppy, but mm-hmm. like then but then there's like but I kind of dig it. Yeah, anyway. exactly. I mean, because he's always had a, a pop sense Absolutely. from the very beginning. When he indulges it, he again he indulges really well. Yeah. Even on like Pale Horse, it's a song like even though he's talking no, about Thorazine the whole time. Horse. Like I kind of dig it. Yeah. I gotta be honest. Will, I, what's your uh, thoughts? I kind of felt it was only marginally better than Monuments to Energy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's about right. Listen, Zeitgeist was Will Swick's favorite album by the Smashing Pumpkins. There, really there's nothing a, else to talk about. I'm done. That was my number one. <laughs> go sit in a corner somewhere. Like, it's fine. <laughs> you guys can do whatever you want for the rest of the show. All right, cool. Zeitgeist I'm glad you don't have any opinions on any of their earlier albums. That's totally okay. James E. Hustle's career, all the way. Right. Off to Mars solo album. Corgan, when he appeared on the one? Jimmy Chamberlain Perfect complex. Circle. Oh my, yeah! Oh, right. James yeah, I, I really like James Eha, by the way. He then started that record label with Darcy and the guy from Fountains of Wayne. You, you know what? All the songs that he actually sung on, really good. Yeah! yeah. I liked it. He was yeah. almost like um, the Ringo of the group, because he had that everyman kind of just like very plain yeah. spoken, very simple. The, kind of, yeah. the song um, that he sung on for um, Machine 2, mm-hmm. Go. Yeah! Mm-hmm. It was such like a lovely song. I'm like, this is, this is great. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's he, he has a ton of of songs on Aeroplane too, and I think yeah. he has like five or six. Yeah, and only two of his voice. only two of his tracks made it onto. Uh, I just want to be like Billy. Why are you hiding this guy? Yeah, why are you because stop he's being an, an egomaniac <laughs> and he can't let anyone else have any kind of creative input. No, James. Input. No, James. I got this. <laughs> Wait, is that your Billy Corgan that was, voice? That was me really trying. <laughs> I was really trying for that. I got this. <laughs> Make him sound like a sideshow kind of marionette creature. Uh, <laughs> He's a puppet, basically. He is, basically. <laughs> All right, guys, so listen. This is pretty easy. Number eight, Zykes. Zykes, whatever. Zykes. Uh, number seven, Monuments to an Ology. <laughs> and uh, number six, Alcania. Uh We got that down. It is all good. Terrence sighing yeah. yet again, as I just, I still disagree with the order, but I'm going to go with it. That's fine. That's okay. I get it. I understand I it. I, well, listen, I New mean, Pumpkins isn't as good as Old Pumpkins. Did we agree to not lock in Ocean yet? Did we? I kind of think you jumped the on that. No, I feel like it's about right. All right, I mean, uh, I kind of like it more. The, than the album but... that I'm thinking of after, in my ordering, came before. Okay, so we'll continue. But continue. well, listen, guys, if we're okay, okay. So apologies if jumping the gun there. Number six, Oceania. I think for for the most part, we can pretty much agree on. Will definitely agrees yes. on. Mister, stop. Will you shut up for a second and let me speak? Will I'm for sorry, the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but listen, now we are down to the original Pumpkins albums. We're down to Gish, Siamese Dream, Melancholy Adore, and Machina. And now this is where the shit starts to get real. Will Swick, what oh, do God. you? Nominate it's all up to you for number five. Ah, oh, choose. <laughs> Ryan, you're an essential addition to this podcast. I just want to point out. What did you put for number five? <laughs> adore. Okay, I agree. Adore. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going to say. You too. are the picker. I, I I actually would probably rank Adore below Oceania, but that's, that's that was my. That's why exactly. I was like, I kind of think you're jumping the gun, but it's, I'm. Fine. Let's say here's. Let's talk about Adore though, because Adore Adore came out of a series of different circumstances. Adore came out of mm. a Jimmy Chamberlain leaving the band, and by leaving the band, I mean kicked out because the did two days before their Madison Square Garden concerts on the Melancholy tour, uh, he OD'd with the touring keyboardist. The touring keyboardist died, so Jimmy survived, and Corgan's like, "Fuck no, and you're gone." Uh, and so there was that. Which I can't fault him for. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty severe. I believe his mother passed away around that time, Martha, yeah. too. Uh, mm-hmm. So then there was that. So basically, it, it was going to be a depressing album no matter what, and it absolutely was. And the thing is that, like, it's a lot more stripped down than what we know. Well, and it's especially, uh, it's fascinating for me because they were like, you know, after the success of 1979 and then those two singles, I think it's, it's I and what was the other one? Anyway, yeah. you know, they were definitely, they were going more electronica, so they went full in with that, except that then was, halfway like through this album kind of forgets about that part, and it's yeah. all acoustic. Right. And so, that like, the, the opening salvo on here, like, to Sheila, Ava, Adore, Perfect, um, even Daphne Descends, Once Upon a Time, this is, these are all really great 
tracks. I like they kind of even even the slower ones still like have it's, that old pumpkin feel. It's really weird it, for me because this album it didn't work for me. Like listening to it, it was kind of rough. I'm like, and I'm just still just like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Some of the tracks though are better off live than they are actually on the album. Oh, I, I can, can imagine. imagine. And, yeah. um, uh, Ava Adore, um, when I saw them live... Be my heart. Yeah. Um, I really they, like that, by They the way. played that at their, their farewell tour when they were, like, breaking up back in 2000, yeah. and it was awesome. It was, it was just one of the best, but, like, I think that's the only thing that I can, like, think of when I'm listening to this track, but most of the album, for me is kind of forgetful. I'm like, I don't really, I don't really know I what's mean, happening. I mean, it's, it's really long. I mean, yeah, they have yeah, a lot of is. long albums, but for what it does, I mean, tracks six through 16 are all, <laughs> are, they're all like pretty slow. Even ones that get, you know, that add a little bit more of that bite in, the, the tempos are all really well, the same. And I think he also, in using the drum yeah. machine, a couple times he picks really like cliched, cheesy drum tracks mm-hmm. and it's it'll you know like just because you have a drum machine doesn't mean you necessarily need to use the samples that are programmed into <laughs> yeah. it if as you part of your rhythm track like early Smashing Pumpkins like pre-Gish they used the drum yeah. drum yeah. machine and it sounded just as crappy like that was like a different time for them right. though. Yeah. That's but why it could I mean if Billy if that was his thing to use a drum machine without Jimmy then you know he hasn't really uh Learn anything in that time. I'm thinking about it, like nerding it up with a drum machine now. He's like, and it's just because because Jimmy's drumming is so incredible and so like good. he's really one of the best drummers I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, that when it's missing, you really feel it. On mm-hmm. a side note, and kind of back to Monuments, when it was announced that Tommy Lee was gonna be the drummer on that album. My reaction was literally just like shrugging my shoulders, be like, "All right, that's great." Yeah. The fuck, do you, you want mean, from you me? Mean the like, guy, you mean the lead singer of Methods of Mayhem is going to be drumming? Get on the next chartographer. Right. Methods of Mayhem. Yeah, let's do all their one albums. Uh, they have a song called "Get Naked" with Luke. It's great. It's not. But uh, so, Adore, and the other thing about Adore too is that there we we talk about. I feel like really, and if you look at essentially everything they put out with that. Uh, it felt like they kind of had a goth crowd, but they also had an alternative crowd with Melancholy, and then they just almost seems like they went full goth. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand the circumstances behind it. So they kind of, like, limited their fan base to a degree, which Billy Gorka does want to do. He wants to be the biggest band of all fucking time. During interviews before Siamese Dream came out, he says, if this album doesn't break us through, I'm going to break up the band. Like, he's very comfortable with the idea of being famous. But... At the same time, Dick. I will say there are still wonderful moments on the door. Uh, the piano ballad, yeah. Any Dog, uh, is just so simple and plaintive and kind of like this quiet, gorgeous number that kind of aches for me. Uh, and then also, even Perfect is honestly like that's that was a good. I really that's like a Perfect. solid pop single. Yeah. And like, and the video is designed to be the sequel to 979. Right. All, actually, all the actors from that video are in the Perfect oh, video. Yeah, yeah they're all the going kids. up now. But at the same time, like, it's still like it's just this really nice pop moment. I really enjoy it. He just indulges himself almost a little bit too much. Like I understand he's using his pain as an architecture for the songs he's writing. That's but okay. You, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But like, it also gets really sloggy. Yeah, and he it's gets down in it. He, he definitely was like, "Oh, I just made a twenty-eight song album, and it was incredibly successful." It's it'll be fine if I include sixteen songs, and it's like, it's, no, it it yeah. kind of isn't. It's like, really hard to follow up an album like melancholy with this with and anything, I, I feel honestly. like i feel like no matter what he had done at the time mm-hmm. it would be rough yep i i just i feel like it would be a lot stronger if it was like 12 songs yes yeah. i agree with that no totally and and for the record to show how indulgent it was because i reviewed both the expanded deluxe edition of melancholy for pop matters and the expanded deluxe edition of a door and the adds like Four discs. Well, yeah. So the melancholy, <laughs> the melancholy is two discs, and for the deluxe edition, they added three discs. Yeah. For Adore, it's one disc, and then for the deluxe edition, they added five discs. And I'm just like, oh my Come god! The fuck up. Well, there's a stereo version of the album. There's a mono version of the album. Here's a live version of the album. Here's all the I'll demos from the album. Mono. Like it's just like, stop whatever the fuck you're doing. At I which point I think they did because they they didn't do that for Machina, did they? Yeah. No. Right. Not at all. I mean, they like left, they left it as is. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. All right, so guys, I think we're in agreement right now. Yeah. Number five, mm, adore. adore. But great. now, the listen, we're done with this now. We're done being nice. The gloves are coming off. We are down. Start getting to real. Gish, Siamese Dream, Melancholy, Machina. Ryan motherfucking Doss. What? What do you nominate for number four? What do I nominate? Uh, Gish. I agree. Okay. Yeah. But. But. I say this because it's not necessarily a bad album. It's their first full-length yep. album that was uh, that was released commercially. It's not a bad album. It's them, like, it's, it's Smashing Pumpkins, basically, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It's not the first album that, like, has really, like, stuck out to me. I, for me, Gish definitely feels like, oh, it's our first record, it's yeah. 1991, let's make a grunge record. Yeah. But and like, that's totally. what they did. And yeah. so, and then, so, as a grunge record, it's pretty great. I mean, it's, I, there it's honestly a, isn't, for me, there's not a weak track on here. Totally. But, but there's also, like, besides maybe Rhinoceros, Rhinoceros and, like, Crush, there are no Crush, incredible right. songs. They're all just, like, very enjoyable. Yeah. But this is the this is the part in the list where it goes from like I hate to nominate this album because it's not a bad album, but there are better albums after this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like this is me literally saying it's not a bad album. It's just not one that I go to if I want to listen to Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, they were still experimenting around their form. Because remember, uh, after Corgan, he left Chicago to go to Florida to form his band, The Marked, which never really took off. And then he came back to Chicago, started assembling this Loyola University student, James Eha, and other friends together to kind of make this thing. And, like, it has a very distinctive thing. Like, it, I mean, grunge, you got to keep in mind at the time, like... It's, it's not even... Necess- I wouldn't even call it grunge per se. It was a hard rock album that had a lot of dream pop affectations towards it. And the thing is that, like unlike a lot of bands at the time, unlike, say, Nirvana or something, they had a little lilt to them. They had a little bit of, like, that little artiness, that little it, bit of, you know... Yeah, they, they did. You're right on that. I mean, especially, like, Daydream. Yeah. Obviously, Nirvana well, they, never would have recorded that. Yeah, but they went full psychedelic on yeah, that. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and I... Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where are your thoughts on Gish? So back when you when were I, when I was younger, when you were a god, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't like Gish. Um, on the re-listen this week, it, it had grown on me since mm-hmm. the last time I listened to it, almost to the point where I can put it above Machina. Um, so I was surprised that it was actually number four instead of number three. Um, what Machina, would you have put at number four, Machina? Machina. Like, I'm telling you now, that's not going to happen. That's not going to fly <laughs> in this court. But please, I, I, I am actually, yeah, yeah I'm going <laughs> to. Um, but why, why do you think that? No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well argued, well reasoned points. Because I think Machina was more closer to a door. It had the bad tendencies of a door ruining the, the good things that the band had. So that that's why I would have put Machina Michelle was like Lord. a really long album right. to listen to. There was a lot of songs on there that I really liked, but when it comes to you know me remembering it like casually, mm-hmm. there's only like a couple songs that stand out. Yeah, that's so. Like what I was saying about Gish is that there really isn't a weak track on there. Yeah. it's just it's it's pretty great to listen to from it's, beginning to end. This album is literally me shrugging my shoulders and being like, yeah, this is Smashing Pumpkins. This is right. pretty cool. Whereas, like, for me, Machina... It's the shrug album. Machina, um, Machina, yes, does, definitely does have some mm. of the tendencies that Adore brought in. Especially are, on the back end. Especially right. on the back end. There's a couple songs where I'm like, yeah, we can skip Crying this. Tree and Mercury, come the fuck off. I also think... I also think that the highs on Machina are so much higher than anything on Gish. Like, Machina, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a lot more inconsistent. Now, I, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Can you take it higher? Creed? Come on! Come on. I'm sorry! God damn it, people! Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You're ruining this Why for me! <laughs> that has nothing to do with <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm going to send you to your own prison, is Doss, what I'm going to do. Doss, we're, oh. we're cutting this whole section until right so now. Well, um, he is the Darcy of the band, so we are going to cut him out and we're going to replace <laughs> we're him gonna, with someone else. We're gonna re- Billy, come in the studio, My please. mom's drugs right now. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I just love the dead silence with actually, that. Everyone's like, wait, what's happening? Actually, weirdly enough, Melissa Optimar is coming in the studio right now. She has nothing else to do. She's uh, here right now. Apparently uh, she did a solo album about Vikings. That's the thing that happened. Cool. Makes sense. Why oh, oh sorry. Since you brought that up, I really want to tell you guys. So uh, while they were recording Zeitgeist, they had this like classically trained pianist in their touring band that Jimmy really liked because that's how he started too. He was like a classically trained drummer and didn't really know rock. Yeah. And... And she left or was fired at some point. Yeah, I think like, she just left, yeah. She left before they started recording Tear Garden. And uh, she went on to be one half of the writing and producing duo behind uh, yeah. Everything is Awesome from, from the, the Lego, Lego movie. movie. Oh. She has an Oscar nomination to her name. Which is just like, that's yeah. just totally fucking <laughs> random. Like, from... from you know Billy was playing, so upset From by playing, that. like, Zeitgeist Live to, like... Writing everything is awesome. It's just a very interesting. Career that says arc. something about her as an artist. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's amazing. Let's be real. I don't know pop or rock music. Whatever. Oscar nod. Anyhow, does uh, Billy Corgan have an Oscar nomination? I don't think so. <laughs> you mean are you saying that the beginning is the end of the beginning? Did not get nominated for being on the Batman and Robin soundtrack? I can't believe that. I no. can't. Missed believe... opportunity. Oh, didn't I, am I didn't that... a bunch of other things get nominated it, it for being on that oh, soundtrack? Am I getting am I getting that mixed up with the end is the beginning is the end? I keep forgetting. For the record, uh, he recorded both those songs. Anywho, uh, so are we okay then at the very least with putting Gish at number four? Have we have we talked about these two albums enough? Okay, here's one comment I was thinking. One? <laughs> what? One? You've been going one. as long as you okay, want. Yeah. Okay. Go. Um Machina seems very produced. Like, I mean it's just heavily like produced. heavily produced. Yeah. Whereas Gish is a lot raw and that's what I, I i think i mean i love machina don't get me wrong i love that album you're wearing, I'm wearing machina a shirt, shirt right now but i kind of like, the, like the, the raw the rawness of git i okay so sorry go yeah so here's the thing uh machina absolutely trumps gish in my mind because mm-hmm. i feel like and I, i'll throw it with a bias out there the machina was my entry point into the pumpkins but at the same time over time that album has i feel like is underrated in so many regards. A lot of people are just like, oh, it's their last kind of gas, whatever, post the door. No. There are, I mean, it's one of the things, The Everlasting Gaze was very much an announcement of like, okay, I'm back yeah, to rocking yeah, again. Yeah. But God, the pot, the, the way he indulged on this album in particular, it's like he took everything that was like the artiness and the darkness and all the other parts of Melancholy and really, that feels like, this feels like a better sequel to Melancholy than Adore ever possibly could have been. Yeah. Right. And so the also try, 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 this kind of like, you know, like this beautiful wounded pop ballad. And then you have a song like Wounded later on, which is kind of this like, you know, kind of strummy little acoustic number. And I, for me, Raindrops and Sun Showers is one of the best songs uh, he's ever recorded. Even and I, I know that that's like me coming from the pop side of things yeah. and not necessarily the rock and side of things. And even I have the radio, even uh, I have the morning radio play my favorite yeah. song. And then I mean that one's a little like yeah. almost too pop. Probably not. Stand like, inside your love. That's that's the better goth single that could have that could have been on the door easy, honestly. Yeah. But like, yeah, probably not the best song on the album but heavy metal machine i like heavy metal machine i love machine. heavy metal machine yeah. rock and roll yeah. she does a lot of songs just about like rock and roll as a concept too which i think is so fascinating yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, that's, I mean that i think that was the concept behind the album wasn't yeah. it yeah. oh well he had a contest at the time too for fans to put together their storyline of what they think the oh, storyline of I it is that. and they nominated the top three or whatever and it was just like glass that's, is this wounded warrior and this yeah. scam like shut the fuck I up when it comes yeah. to this album though machine of one that one of the things I, I remember the most is actually artwork for the mm-hmm. album uh-huh. which is just like I mean the cover itself right. it's it just kind of got this old world look to it yeah and kind of how I feel about like melancholy is that like the artwork for the album it fits with the music itself and that it kind of takes you on this journey with it that Machina One had that kind of style to it given it wasn't as great as melancholy but it was definitely as you had said it was it, it felt like a better sequel to melancholy than the door was right it should mm-hmm. have come after 
Yeah. And when I think about Glass and the Ghost Children with that haunting back half where he talks about and then she counts the spiders as they crawl up inside her. There's that goth part. There's the weird optimism of with every light. You know, they got yeah. the sunshine shining on me. You know, whatever you're saying. And I feel like Gish is pretty emotionally monochromatic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this album is like such a wide splay of different things. I can't, I can't put this below Gish. And I also, I... I definitely hear what you're saying, Will, mm -hmm. about the Gish being more raw, mm -hmm. except that for me that kind of gives it a little ding against it. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate production yeah. value, and uh, especially, uh, and Siamese Dream does this a little bit too, even sometimes on Melancholy. As we all know, Billy Corgan really loves layering guitars. Yeah, like, a lot. He and James have both said that like on some tracks there's up to 70 layers of guitars just Which recorded over and crazy. over again. And in, you can really tell that he likes to do that, especially on these early albums where they're not using like digital production yet. It's just a wall of noise to the extent where it's like almost drowning out the vocals and even the melodies. just and or, or the guitar melodies. Yeah. Like yeah. the chords themselves sound so just washed in just a. Which this is not my bloody Valentine. Sound. This is the Smashing Which was actually right. a point that I forgot to make with Zeitgeist was that one of the roughest aspects of this album for me, and it wasn't just the oh, music, yeah. it was the vocals. Because it was literally like, here's the band, and here's Billy Corgan singing <laughs> in a box somewhere. Well, so that's all. <laughs> you're like up you're front. totally right. Literally, I read a quote from Billy on Zeitgeist where he was like, everything had an on and off switch. They did not mix that album. They just like recorded it. It was but their. It was why? their. I know. Their Saint <laughs> Anger, basically. Saint Anger. Uh, which is a anyway. Well, long story short, uh, we're forty-five minutes into this podcast. I am willing. We gotta wrap things up. Yeah. No, no, we don't. We don't. No, we we don't really. You yet. guys have like continued. Kanye on for a has while. like. Oh no, Kanye has this many albums, right? Because yeah. anyway, he requires it. Yeah. All right, our Kanye. Episode and is let's like be an honest. Billy Corgan's like the alt rock Kanye. Let's be real. <laughs> So, uh, personally, I'm willing to watch. that's not even wrong, though. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Uh, Indulgent he, he says some weird egomania. things from time to time that I'm like, Billy, really? Talks yeah. shit about the people he's worked with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. I want to be called William. Yes. <laughs> which, <laughs> sounds, which sounds vaguely uh, like Morgan I mean, Freeman, kind but of. But to be fair, when you name your child Billy, yeah. you're kind of going to get an asshole. By the way, by the end of this, everyone's going to do a, your a name Billy Corgan impression. This has to happen. Oh, yeah. No, that's the happy hour minisode. Yeah. Listen, you started. You kind of... <laughs> yes. Just just a weird Muppet caricature of Billy Corgan. <laughs> Tonight. Anywho. You're, uh, the, you're like the mom from All in the Family. Just like... <laughs> just doing that voice. Like... <laughs> Number four. Number. I'm gonna take this over now. Right. I'm the host of the show. Right. Number four was Gish, right? I I, I vote yeah. number four. That's back in which. Okay. I, and now we're back. I think, <laughs> I think yes. I think I think Gish is number four. Yeah. Machina is. I'm not gonna go into Machina number three yet, but we'll. I will. At least Gish really? number four. Brian, what do you say? You already asked me the last one. This isn't up to me. Yeah, this is group vote. You idiot. Vote. So I vote for Gish four. Really? That's oh, okay, good. Right. Then Ryan, you don't matter. Uh, <laughs> all right, cool. Votes, right. All right, cool. Fantastic. Uh, good. Uh, Gish number four. Do we need a break? Do we need a... Before we start on the next part? All right, we're taking a break. Take a quick break. Be right back. detail the landscape right here we all got in a rocket ship and went to a moon faced area where a bunch of uh, moon men uh, attacked us and then we went to the undersea realm and had a wonderful show by I the, stared uh, into the face of Billy Corgan's ego and it melted my face off <laughs> oh well that, that's good you remember the movie face off this is better because it's about <laughs> Billy Corgan I, I don't want to make a movie because I'd cast myself in all the roles uh, I'm surprised he never became a director. There were those. I'm like, yeah. really surprised he never became a director. Or at least, like, has he directed any of the music no, videos? No, not a lot. That's like fascinating. To me. He's, no, no, oh no, God, no. He's not. He's that got good. his Andy Kaufman style wrestling career ahead of him. So. And appears on Alex Jones' Infowars oh, to debunk social justice warriors uh, and other things like that. We don't uh, talk about that. <laughs> I know. We don't talk well, about Fat Billy. When he when he brought those things up to me, I was like. I really 
wish you hadn't told me that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like I saw something. So I'm much. like, I'm not looking at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a tea room. Don't. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> All right, we're back. We're back to the Chardogvers. Uh, in case you were, uh, somehow inexplicably took a break while we took a break, just to cap you up, we are looking at uh, the top three elms now. We're down to Siamese Street. We're down to Melancholy. We're down to Machina. No, there's no friends here. This is a flat out war. This is we're pretty. Ready. I feel like this is still pretty straightforward. Remember right? that movie We Are War, starring uh, Tom Hardy and Chris Pine and uh, what's no, her face? No, no one remembers that. No. All right, cool. Great. I know you. So. <laughs> <laughs> talking nonsense. Terran. Yes. Sweet Terran. Uh-huh. Number three. Well, Machina is the only album left that has any weak songs on it, so it would be stupid not to put it here. In my humble opinion... I would 100% agree I just, on that. I mean, I both Siamese Dream and Melancholy are, like, full-fledged masterpieces, so I just... I, I think we have to put Machina here. As, as much as I love a couple of the songs on here, like, they're up there among the best of Siamese Dream and Melancholy, the lows are much And lower. listen, I let my bias shine through. I love Machina so hard, and I know there's weak spots. It's, I think, one of their most fascinating albums, one of their most fascinating musical documents. I'm, I'm okay that it made it all the way up to number three. I think that's pretty great, and I genuinely think it is an underrated masterpiece. So I'm willing to go along with it because I know I'm outvoted anyway. Uh, let's go ahead. Yeah, Will, you're in agreement. Yeah, I'm surprised right. it made it to three. Just shut up, Will. No one, where, no, where no one invited. <laughs> I don't know. I was with with Gish and Adora. I was just you know unsure of where it really fit into there. Sure. Your T-shirt says otherwise. Right. Yeah. I mean, personally, like I really like it. Yeah. Comparatively, maybe. Objectively. Well, right. objectively, yeah. Will. We are down to number one and number two. Siamese Dream versus Melancholy. I think that's where a lot of people thought it was going. I, I think know where I'm going. I don't care what you think. Let's go down. Will, what do you nominate for number two? See, for for me, this was really hard. Yep. To yeah. me... I think it it's was, hard for anyone, really, when you're talking about the pumpkin. It awesome. Because they are so both full of energy and vigor. Yes, and, and silver fucks. It, yes, and guitars and everything. Wait, they, they're a guitar band? Uh, there's, you know, some thrown in there, here yeah. and there. Um, but <laughs> they're mainly a ukulele group. Anyway. And mandolins. Kazoos. I really want Billy Corgan to record an all kazoo album. And it'd be like death metal, too. It'd be like his zeitgeist on kazoos. Wow, you're so angry. Why are you so angry? Sorry. <laughs> it's like Siamese Dream is the light side of Melancholy, and Melancholy is the dark side of Siamese Dream. So your well, number you're two go so you, is... I would put Melancholy as number two. No! Oh! No! 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 I would 100% agree with you on no! that. Oh! Oh! It's okay. I know. It's I'm, gonna be okay. I'm, just, I'm adding sound effects. So for me, ah, we were cut ah, out for the sleep. rest of the discussion. Now, <laughs> kazoo, the kazoo. All right. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. For me, melancholy. The scope on melancholy is just so much wider, and and he takes so many more risks, and they they all work. And so while yes, Siamese Dream is impeccable. It, it falls into that same kind of gish thing where I feel like it's pretty monochromatic. I really like it. I love it, I would even say. But I think that Melancholy just has... It, it, it benefits from being a double album in that it just has so many more moments that are incredible. In my opinion, for this album, for Melancholy, I feel like there's a lot more forgettable moments because it's a... 24 track album 28 20 yeah yeah even more yeah. even more and you know i don't i don't have anyone like i don't know anyone who's just like i'm super into porcelina well i don't know you anyone know? that's super literally, into rock literally you're looking at him yeah that is my god damn i would honestly <laughs> say and i i you know i listened to this album for the first time fairly recently and, then your argument is oh, no, and and I immediately was like, "This is one of my favorite albums of all time." On first listen, and I do love Porcelina because I 
I just think that it's I, I, I I've said I, this I really on our do podcast love, like, before. The intro to it. Like, I it, I am always impressed if an artist can keep me entertained for nine minutes on a single track. And yeah. Billy Corgan fails to do that so often that I I I actually Porcelina might be one of my favorite pumpkin songs like bar none and here's my other argument like the opening riff to it like once it gets past like the like the dreamy like it's it's amazing it's like definitive smashing and i also love how the hook is uh after i say this after i just like despairs the track who's gonna listen to parcel this song sucks it's brilliant moments are except for maybe me i might be the only one i also i also love how the hook is uh it he has two different vocal takes on it. There's, yeah. there's, there's like the there's one that comes in early like Selena, and that's on like both left and right separately. And then there's one that comes down the middle a little later, and it sings like different lyrics. But it just it just fucking works. Yeah. I just again I think because Siamese Dream, like Cherub Rock is such an incredible opener. Mm-hmm. Again, that's one of like the best riffs he's ever done. I guess when it comes down to these two albums, though, is that Siamese Dream, to me, is like... It, it is a hard choice because Melancholy is just, is just wonderful as is. Siamese Dream is like a definitive Smashing Pumpkins album. This is like an emotional attachment to the album mm-hmm. in that it just like the whole album feels like... It's like some some kids like notebook in high school you know just like dealing with different different emotions different feelings and there's just it's just kind of like a a a group at like the younger stage but it's still like this is their second album and i i i I listened to it on the way here Mm -hmm. like in its entirety and i'm like i there's not one single track on this album that i'm like this sucks. Rocket. Next. Rocket. No. Geek USA. Yes. No. Yes. No. Geek USA. I actually the best songs out there. I love Rocket. Geek USA doesn't do it for me. One hundred percent. Did you see the one with the where they performed it with the clowns? clowns? Yes. Come on. The clowns. You did see. That was on the. Did you see that? Yeah. That was. This is a a totally. 90s oh, album. Okay, okay. Let me stop everyone right here. It belongs here up there in a pantheon of 90s albums. Shut the fuck up. So, uh, the other <laughs> right, thing... But, and but I love Melancholy you, is there. And yeah, I and here's the other thing, too. I, the one thing... Yeah. The thing I love about when we do these episodes that I find up, wind up in arguing just with Taryn beforehand, I wound up coming to revelations myself that I don't necessarily consider. And the thing is that Siamese Dream was the... I feel like there's this fine line between Siamese Dream and Melancholy... When Melancholy, that in somewhere in between, Billy Corgan realized that he could be more than just a drum, bass, guitar, rock band. Because yeah. I feel like with Siamese Dream, he really fully went ahead and made the best possible rock album it that he could. It was a simple album, but it was it was definitely a step up from Gish, where it was it was like let's yeah. take this it was, to another level. Right. And let's, yeah. Let's make this it's almost like Radiohead when they went from like Pablo Honey to uh, uh, the Ben. Seriously, yeah. it's like that quantum leap of songwriting of like the only way people are going to take us seriously if we take ourselves seriously. Yeah. yeah. And they made that transition. And for me, I think the the step from Gish to Siamese Dream is is obviously his songwriting was much stronger at this yeah. point, but oh, he totally. also he also wasn't just like, oh, it's 1991, I, I should make a, like, a popular rock record. Like, I feel like on Siamese Dream, uh, Space Boy is clearly his Bowie moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Silver Fuck is Boy. really clearly his Zeppelin whole lot of love moment. <laughs> even even the, when, when everything pulls out in the middle, that yeah, is yeah. literally the same noise as whole lot of love. Yeah. Like, it's a very clear homage. And 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 so I love it. I love that it does all of that, but melancholy just takes that to the extreme. It takes right. the experimentation he, and it, it pulls from so many different influences and it's the hardest Rocky ever does. And like while I do draw the line at screaming, so like I don't love XYU, mm. I still really appreciate it for for being on the same record as like the salvo of Cupid Delac Galapagos porcelain take me down like that's a very yeah. very mellow and the other thing is that section and then he go- just goes full like death hardcore metal we th- on it we think about a lot of the singles as also as defining moments from these things here and i would argue that literally almost any song off of 
off of Melancholy. Because you think about when you listen to Love, when you think about Muzzle, when you think about these Muzzle, other yeah. rock songs that just are so epic and so clear in their intention and vision. Even Zero. Even which Zero. Was, which was a single. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you but, needed a dumb, straightforward rock number. Yeah. Emptiness is loneliness and loneliness and godliness and God is empty like me. That being said... I have a really soft spot in my heart for mayonnaise. Well, mayonnaise yeah, is a I fucking know. amazing it's, song. It's like the, the the feedback from the amps when they're like... <laughs> also, I mean, the other thing, too, and the thing is, when we watched the uh, It All Goes Wrong documentary, the thing about their new uh, mm-hmm. iteration of the band, mm-hmm. Billy Corgan talks about how he will never play Soma and he'll never play mayonnaise. And he tried, He was such an asshole. Just, just like... He's like, okay. well, and James T. Hawk got co-writing credit. And, like, he wrote, like, the first chord structure and other things like that. I'm He's like, like yeah, he wrote the chord structure for the intro and nothing else. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure James E. Hawk contributed more than that, let's be I, real. Yeah, like, because you wanted to be like, I'm like, fuck you, Billy. Like, well, he probably tried to contribute more, you're just, like, not letting him. He's like, right. well, he only did this. He's like, because you only let him do Right, that. exactly. <laughs> and that's, um, I was reading about on Melancholy, uh, James was saying that, like, he and Billy split soloing duties about 50-50, and it's like, well, Wow, he, that is a... Well, well, and also, well, if he wrote the solo yeah. on that song, and it's like two minutes long, how does he not get a co-writing credit? Well, but what that's its own thing. And contextually, post-Gish, uh, the band, like, James E. Hot and Darcy were dating, and then they broke up during this time... And then Jimmy was on drugs, and Corgan went into a headfirst depression, and that's why during Siamese Dream he re-recorded a lot of the guitar parts and a lot of the right. bass he parts. Right, he didn't even let of... them play. Right, exactly. Basically, like they recorded stuff, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'll do it better." Uh, and then on okay, Melancholy, everyone was just probably was like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, and, and pretty much they, you know, James, you know, Darcy withheld sex from James Eha for even longer. It was great. Uh, <laughs> we all know how that turned out. Yeah. But then on Melancholy, they were a full band. They played as a full band well, again. And a, the detail of that, though, is that they, they yes, Darcy and James recorded, for the most part, their own guitar and, and bass mm-hmm. parts, but only because they were recording in a different studio from Billy. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they had their own to. producers, and they knew that if they were going to be in the room with Billy, that he wouldn't think that what they were doing was good enough, and he'd just do it himself, yeah. whereas if they had, where he was not there, and they just had a producer... Then they could do multiple takes, maybe before he stepped in, yeah. and actually like get it to where they wanted it to be. And I think that's also why you hear Darcy and James both a little bit more on this record. For me, Melancholy definitely feels like the creative input of four people, whereas Siamese Dreams. And even if like it's not, it feels like it that way. Right. right. And even though today is a brilliant, incredible grunge rock single. At the same time, that band, whoever would have thought they would have escalated the game to something like Tonight Tonight. And on, on the deluxe edition... Or 1979. On, on the deluxe edition of Siamese Dream, there's actually an only orchestra and an only band version of Tonight Tonight. You mean on Melancholy? Sorry, on Melancholy, yeah. thank you. And on both of them, they sound amazing. Just the orchestra by themselves sounds stunning, and just the band without an orchestra sounds amazing and rocking. And, like, this song could have totally worked without any of that, you know, opulent orchestration. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. But listen, we've been arguing, Will. I don't disagree with anything that's been said so far. Right. Where do you stand on Melancholy? You love it. Right. And, like I said before, I mean, I go back and forth between Siamese Dream and Melancholy. Like, sometimes I can argue for Melancholy being number one, I can, sometimes I can argue for Siamese Dream to be number one. I'm sort of starting to lean towards number two being Siamese Dream because it's sort of that, like, step before how big Melancholy became and how just, and- like... And big doesn't Coherent. necessarily mean better, right, but the but fact that it is right. as good as it is is incredible. Yeah. It's like it's like Siamese Dream is the step to getting reaching that known college. Because it was also mentioned that during that time, Cork and Cussie was so depressed. The way he worked through his depression was by going to the studio. And I think mm. it's kind of like Oasis because when Noel Gallagher was at the peak of his songwriting, he took he had so many songs he couldn't fit them all in the album. So he just wrote amazing B sides, some of which are, are people argue are better than the album itself. Yeah. Like the album The Master Plan, which is their B sides, and a lot of people say that's actually the best Oasis album secretly. You don't know it. Uh, and similarly here, you listen to the Aeroplane box set. I fucking love the Aeroplane, especially their their. I like how they... It's basically like singles, kind of like EP singles, They basically. organized... Right, for each single, they gave them, like, five or six B-sides, and uh, they organized them... The the um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings is less conceptually connected 
um, as an EP, but the 1979 EP is like essential listening. It's including the single. It's like seven just incredible songs. Like in and a row. You, it just like goes to show you how prolific he was at this point. Yeah. That there are, you know, there's like a dozen great tracks that were cut and pushed and, to the B side. And I think that's kind of my concluding argument on this is that. I think Siamese Dream, and don't get me wrong, I know I've been shitting on it a little bit, but you think about Disarm, you think about the line, the killer in me is a killer in you, you think about, and truly, I agree on Geek USA, I think that's a great song, I think about all these different moments, and like, this is the definitive thing of what a 90s alternative rock band could do, and I feel like with Melancholy, they upped the game so much, like, they went above Nirvana, they went above all their peers to do something so much more opulent and different, and they could still do Bullet with Butterfly Wings, and they could still rock like hell when they needed to, they just proved like we can do anything and that realizing they could do anything is what ultimately brought them down I think in the end but this is their peak moment of like yeah. they escalated the game so far above where it needed to go but that's just my argument I'll relent to say that these are basically a tie album that's just me that's as, as far as I'm willing to go with this because <laughs> I still love Siamese Dream alright so well can we Siamese Dream number two Melancholy number can, one. Guys, listen. This is a debate. Uh, and let, it'll sh- Ryan, I love you, by the way, for the record. I know I've Ryan, been saying... you aren't the first guest to not get their way. I yeah. just want... Sometimes Taryn and I don't get yeah. our way, too. You gotta Sometimes, keep mine. Oh. I am gonna break the shit out of your apartment right now. <laughs> <laughs> you mean our studio. You're gonna listen. That's why uh, you're gonna join us for April Fool's podcast when we do Olympus Biscuit, right? Uh, that's the thing. No. Give me some advice. I will not be joining <laughs> so you. So, guys, that. listen, here's our ranking. The Chartographer's ranking. Let's call it number eight, Zeitgeist. Number seven, Monuments to an Allergy, the album that gets in and then fucks off. Number six, Oceania. Yeah. Number five, Adore. Number four, Gish. Number three, <laughs> Machina, the Machines of Goud. Number two, Siamese Dream. And number one, Swan. That is the number one <laughs> album we have ranked definitively. Uh, but guys, listen, uh, I'm so happy that we did this. I'm so happy they had all our guests here. I want to thank you, Will. I want to thank you, Ryan, for being here. But the other thing is that they're also not going anywhere because right after this, we are recording a half hour mini-sode about Smashing Pumpkins where, per Ryan's insistence, we're going to all be doing our best Billy Corgan imitation. We're going to talk about the worst Smashing Pumpkins song and Zwan and so many other things. So guys, I want you to stick around. Uh, <laughs> trust me, I know your list is probably different, especially if you're on Team Siamese Stream. Leave your notes on the Facebook Chartographers page. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us one star if you fucking hate what I said because I totally understand, but that's okay. <laughs> Take your Siamese Dream and fuck right Actually, off. give us one star because of that Creed joke that happened earlier. That's one of us. Give us five stars, please, for the love of God. Uh, that being said, <laughs> thank you. you so much for listening. Keep on listening. Hi, Mom. Know that we'll be. But the, hi, Will's Bob. Alright. See you guys. Bye bye. I don't care what you think. I That's care about racist. <laughs> yeah. Also, <laughs> I'm gonna cut that. Uh, so. <laughs>